Lucas on Life. Hello, welcome to Lucas on Life. I'm Jeff Lucas. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. It happens occasionally during church services, and for some, it can be rather shocking. People actually have fun, break into a giggle, even laugh out loud. Over the years, using humour in preaching, I've found myself in hot water occasionally as I've just encouraged people to enjoy the experience and actually have fun. This week on Lucas on Life, it's Lucas on Fun. But before we get to that, in the coming weeks, I'd like us to be sharing together about lessons that we've learned during this frankly awful COVID season. Are there precious things that we have discovered that we might share with other listeners? I'd love to hear from you. So let me know. What lessons have you learned? Email me at jefflucasusa at msn.com. I'd love to compile some of those insights and then share them with you in the coming weeks. The email address to contact me on is jefflucasusa at msn.com, and that's Jeff with a J, the correct way. Those with a G, please don't be offended. We're thinking about fun. The conversation had a furtive feel about it, as if we were talking about something frightfully naughty. This behind-cupped-hands chat took place at the back of a church hall after I'd preached. Armed with cups of tea and rich tea biscuits, an older couple had approached and asked me for a word, which is usually what Phil Mitchell of EastEnders says when he's about to kill someone. I feared for my kneecaps. At first, the couple looked rather serious, and I braced myself at very least for a comment shared in love, some of which I've experienced in the past. They've made me want to flee for safety. I'd use storytelling, humour, fun freely during the evening. Were they offended? Had my throwaway line about miserable Christians being the frozen chosen who knew the Lord but still needed bran angered them? And I'd asked a few provocative questions about theology, not radical enough to prompt being burned as a heretic, but maybe strong enough to threaten a couple of sacred cows. As the couple came closer, the look in their warm and sparkling eyes set me at ease. At least, if they were going to complain, they'd be kind. But instead of giving me a good telling off, they'd come to tell me how much they'd enjoyed the service in general and my preaching in particular. I sighed with relief. Constructive criticism is useful for growth, but I don't have to enjoy it. And every once in a while I bump into a stern soul who only begins to look thrilled when they're proving others to be wrong. Kind words are always much more welcome. Jeff, thanks so much for the sermon, the lady whispered. Her husband nodded and chipped in a rhetorical question in the same hushed tones. My, we did have some fun, didn't we, he said. Did they both fear that the place was bugged? I suddenly realised that both of them were looking around as they spoke, as if they were about to be arrested by the thought police. What was all the secrecy about? Were they about to ask me what Bible version I used and then perhaps offer to sell me cannabis? We learned a lot too, said the lady, eager to clarify that they'd appreciated substance as well as fun. It was such a breath of fresh air. It's so nice to enjoy some reality in the church for once. We chatted for a few minutes more, and as they bade their farewells and walked away, I muttered a prayer of thanks for such lovely, thoughtful people who were good enough to stay behind and bring words of strength. But then a couple of questions surfaced and they wouldn't go away. 
Like the drone of a mosquito, they buzzed around between my ears for an hour or so and many months later they still niggle me. Why is it that enjoying a belly laugh in church should be so strange and unusual? And if reality is a breath of fresh air, then what on earth are these dear folks living on for the rest of the time? Helpfully, we live in a time when the church is increasingly accustomed to public communication that does include humour, storytelling, and the preacher being vulnerable rather than projecting an image of being Superman or Superwoman minus the blue tights. Yet still, there are far too many Christians who find it odd to talk about Monday morning stuff on Sunday mornings without pious and otherworldly language. There are still some churches where a confession of occasional doubt is tantamount to admitting to having a dose of herpes and where testimonies always have to have a happy ending. And some Christians can only cope with a faith that always gives the answers but is uncomfortable with lingering questions. So I want to be able to laugh in church and cry and think or not necessarily in that order. We're part of a church, not a cult. We should be able to disagree with each other about what we believe because disagreement is part of learning. We can be wrong. We can think honestly about our struggles and occasionally laugh out loud at the follies of life and even laugh out loud at ourselves. I have a hunger for more real talk about faith, a desire for gritty trust that can steer through a whole forest of question marks, and perhaps even a deeper love for God and the peculiar people that follow him. That would be us. And I'd also like to enjoy, freely, without hesitation or fear, fun. Sometimes, as I said earlier, it gets one into trouble. The anonymous letter is a frequently used communication technique, believe it or not, in some churches. Disgruntled and offended parishioners express their irritation to pastors and leaders by dispatching an unsigned epistle. The lack of signature and therefore the hidden identity of the writer gives them the Dutch courage needed to put the most toxic poison on paper. Scurrilous accusations, inferences and innuendos jostle with each other in the grubby scrawl. The net effect on the recipient is devastating. It's like being hit by a relational Exocet missile that comes screaming in from the dark, demolishing in a few seconds your confidence, your sense of calling and hope. Sadly, the anonymous letter is not a new idea. The famous evangelist D.L. Moody received such a poisonous pen letter while actually preaching a sermon. Somebody out there in the congregation was apparently feeling highly uncomfortable and so hastily scratched out a note and passed it back to an usher who calmly walked up to the pulpit. The folded note had Mr. Moody's name written on it, reasoned the hapless usher, so Mr. Moody should receive the note immediately. Moody took the note, unfolded it carefully and read its brief content. One word was written on the page, FOOL. Moody sighed, refolded the note and made an announcement. I've just been sent a most unusual letter from one of you in the congregation, he said to a fairly shocked crowd. Now this is most interesting. I'm often sent letters where people write the body of the letter but just omit their name. On this occasion, in writing the single word fool, the person concerned has omitted to write the letter itself but has only signed their name. I've received a few anonymous letters myself over the years, but one of them particularly stands out in my memory because it was just so acerbic. 
I'd been preaching in a church for a number of days and I'd liberally used humour to illustrate my points. One evening, arriving at the church, I discovered a folded note myself. It said, Sir, we would see Jesus, not your comedy act and nonsensical gibberish. You can't win souls to Jesus with all that nonsense. You are not a preacher. You are a comedian. You have missed your calling. I folded the note and actually fought back some tears because no one enjoys being so marginalised. Bumping into people like this, although actually I didn't because it was an anonymous letter, is no fun indeed. But I know this. I am committed to humour and helping people to enjoy the experience of learning. Who knows? There are some people out there who, listening, might laugh their way back into life. Before we move on, let me just mention again that I'd love to hear from you about lessons that you've learned during the COVID crisis. Jeff Lucas, USA at msn.com is the email address to send your observations, and I'll be sharing those in the coming weeks. I'll give out that email address at the end of tonight's program. It was a beautiful shot, the kind of heavenly volley that sends football commentators into verbal overdrive, a punt to launch a brace of slow-motion action replays. The ball rolled gently towards the player, who eyed it nervously at first. Tension crackled in the crowd. Suddenly, as if anointed by genius, the player stepped back on their right heel and performed a perfect kick. Hands outstretched, airplane-like, poised and balanced perfect. Hands outstretched, aeroplane-like, poised and balanced perfect. Foot connected perfectly with leather in a deep, solid thud, scooping it up in a bend-it-like Beckham power drive. It was surely sheer soccer poetry. Somewhere in the distance, a huge crowd rose to their feet as one and gave a deafening cheer and the player, lost in the moment, was oblivious to their roar of approval. The minister looked on, staggered. This was most unexpected, for this perfect kick was not performed in a stadium or park, but in the main meeting hall, the sanctuary some would call it, of a church in mid-Wales. It was late Sunday evening when it happened. Most of the congregation was enjoying an end-of-the-evening cuppa, the warm afterglow ritual that caps 10,000 Sunday evening services. The minister watched, feeling the pleasurable tired ache that comes when the sun sets on yet another busy Sunday, enjoying the clinking sound of china and the relaxed atmosphere. The service that had just concluded had been a happy affair. There had been a refreshing cocktail of laughter and tears, even some fun, and also a challenge given that we should think about our faith and not just keep doing the same old things simply because, well, that's just what we do. Grace was in the air. One of the children had been playing with a ball when it happened. The football rolled across the fading carpet to Josie, a sprightly lady of 70, faithful to God and this church for the past 55 years. What would she do? Perhaps a gentle rebuke about the evils of playing soccer in church buildings, a prohibition on fun. Josie was the player. She eyed the ball hungrily and for a few seconds she was 16 years old again and a member of the local girls' soccer team. She had loved the game dearly. Perhaps she was the local star. And then, as she put it, she got saved. 
Fraternising with the world was not encouraged, and sports were considered worldly. To have continued on the team would have meant violating the prohibitionist doctrine of separation that was preached at the time, and so Josie hung up her soccer boots for the last time, and she had not kicked a ball for over half a century. There was no angst, for she was not bitter about her loss. She turned her back on the game and threw all of her energies into the life of the church. And then that late Sunday night ball appeared before her. As Josie said later, something from the past rose up within me. So she performed a masterful kick. The minister's mouth fell open, first with amazement and then admiration. I realise now that a lot of the things that we were told were sin. They weren't really, she explained later with a warm smile. As I heard her story, I wondered about the countless Christians that I still meet for whom faith has been less than liberating. Too often I bump into good, kind, sincere believers who are passionately committed to a message of freedom, but who have been squeezed into the painful corsets of fear by second-hand unthinking dogma. These are the ones who believe in joy, but are nervous of fun and laughter. It is they who occasionally doubt, as all humans do, but feel like they'd be committing a Judas-like act of betrayal if they admitted their struggles. They are those for whom everything in life has to be productive and efficient and spiritually significant. They have left spontaneity and play and simple down-to-earth fun like discarded toys of their childhood, rejected now for a stern, almost obsessive discipleship. They need to kick a ball, build a sandcastle, laugh out loud, face their uncertainties, giggle on a Sunday, have some fun. I wonder if perhaps heaven is waiting for the locked up ones to get a bit more of a life. And when they take those small steps of freedom, heaven notices and somewhere in the distance, a huge crowd rises to their feet as one and gives a deafening cheer. And the player, lost in the moment of fun, is oblivious to their roar of approval. Fun. Let's enjoy good, clean fun without shame. Well, that's all from me this week. Let me remind you, I'd love to hear your observations, your reflections about lessons that you've learned personally in your own life during this COVID crisis. Jeff Lucas, USA at msn.com is the email to send me those observations. I'll be sharing those with you in the coming days. See you next time. Lucas on Life.